0: Bibles out. Let's go right to the book of John. How many of y'all were with us last week? How many of y'all received something out of that word last week? If you're not raising your hand, I've got to preach better. Amen. How many of y'all received something? out? This helps me. I feel better when I do this. Amen. Hey, y'all ever have to stand in front of people and speak, and then you wonder if you connected or if you got through? Yeah, that's me 52 times a year. Amen. So this helps me a little bit. Listen, uh, last week we started a series called I Am, and the reason we're doing this is because I have felt like over time we have processed ourselves as believers to a handout rather than a knowledge of who he is. We position ourselves with God because we're looking for the get out of trouble or the help me with my stuff rather than an understanding of of who God is and who Jesus is in our lives and walking in the fullness of that. There are nine times in the Bible where Jesus declares that I am, and he declares things after that. The first one was, I am the I am. And you look at that and you read that and you go, my God, that could be anything. Truth be told, that's exactly what he was trying to tell us. I am everything that you need, and I am nothing short of everything that you need. But for some reason, we have a tendency now in culture to run to everything else, but only run to God when it's something that we can't figure out ourselves. We run to God when it's something that we can't handle instead of understanding that it is God that handles everything. For if the God that we serve created everything out of nothing, then can't he handle your everything? But what we do is now we run to social media, we run to friends, we run to family, we run to mama, and I love my mama, but my mama ain't God. I tell her a lot of things, but there are some things that I don't need to run to her about because as much wisdom and knowledge she has, she cannot supersede God's wisdom in my life. And when my mama dies, I better not have to crawl in the grave with her to get wisdom. So many times we put our hope in people. We put our hope in people's opinions and thoughts, and we listen to them rather than understanding what God thinks about us, what he declares over us. And the reason that we don't know is because we do not pursue the knowledge of Christ or or understanding who he is. We just want to know him. It's kind of like a friend on Facebook. How many of y'all got over a thousand friends on Facebook? Y'all are in this room. You're just not going to raise your hand. And you go, look how many friends I have. No, you have stalkers. You have people that have really crummy lives and they want to vicariously live through yours. And vice versa, because we befriend people because it looks good on social media and we don't even understand what it is on the backside of their existence. We look at what they're doing, we go, God, I wish I could be there. Do you really want the pain and struggle of what they had to go through to get where they are? And the reason we live this way is because we have not identified ourselves as God's creation. We've let the culture create us. We are no longer God's creation. We are culture creations. We move at the ebb and flow of what is popular in society rather than what God declares over us for eternity. I said this last week and I'll say it again. Creation cannot define who they are until we define our creator. We have been spending our entire lives trying to figure out who we are. Can I get an amen from somebody? We jump from here to there to this to that to this one to this one. We do all these things. We change our minds. We throw everything away. We pick everything up. We, we say we're going to minimalize, and then we hoard everything. We do all kinds of different things, and the reason we do is because we're trying to figure out who we are. I can give you a very simple step that will uncover everything for you, and that is finding out who he is. Because if you know who he is, then you find out who you are who you were always meant to be and if you stick with it you will finish the race with him last week we started our the series about knowing god and we we talked about it should be our desire to know who he is not just to know about him so we dealt with the woman at the well, and she, Jesus comes in and says, can, can, I, want, I want a cup of water. I want a, a, some water from the well. And, and she starts defining, like talking to him like he was a nobody. She had no idea that the Messiah was sitting right in front of her. She had no idea that Jesus was literally right there. She had heard all the stories, but she had never actually seen him. Unfortunately, that's the church today. We've heard a lot of stories, but we don't have any desire to see him. Just because you know he's coming doesn't mean you have the eyes to see that he's coming. Just because you've heard the stories doesn't mean you'll see him when he comes to the room. So many times I've walked into churches and I've, I have know God is there, but I look in the faces of people and I can tell that they have no idea he's in the room because it's just filling another time slot. It's doing another church service rather than I've come that I might see my Savior. I've come that I might see him f- face to face, that I might behold his beauty, that I might ha- that I might gaze into his glory, that I might dwell in his temple all the days of my life, that I might see him for the first time or for the second time. I, I don't know if that's you, but we've got to stop just existing in church services saying we did our church thing, we did our church thing, we did our church thing. No, let me help with something. There's a lot of people that go to church right now that will not end up in heaven. Because they really don't know who God is. They just have an understanding that maybe the way I get into heaven is if I go to church. Satan comes to church. I don't know if you realize that. And he has no promise in heaven. Be careful that you don't get lost in the space of playing the church game without a desire to know God greater. God, before you fix this, fix me. And the way you'll fix me is if I find out how you see me so that I can begin to change those pieces that don't look like you. We should have a greater desire to know who he is. So this morning, I want to take us to one of those statements, one of those I am statements that might just help you as you continue to walk in your walk as a believer. This morning, John chapter 6, verse 35. I hope you turn to John chapter 6. It'll make this a lot easier for us as you flip over to verse 35. It says this. It says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never, somebody say never, Never. be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never, somebody say "never," never, be thirsty. Now these are very powerful words that Jesus declares, and there are two words in here that I hold on to more than any bit of the scripture, and it is that word never. It is one thing when you say never, it is another thing when God says never. When we say never, we have a tendency to go back on that word. But God says whatever I speak is into, is into eternity. So when God says you shall never, you need to understand that if you start to get hungry and thirsty, it's because you're not walking in the never, you're walking in your never. You're not walking in that space. So I need us to deal with this morning. So the next part of I am is I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Let me recap the story leading up to this moment we've dealt with the miracle of the two fishes and five loaves have just happened. Thousands were fed as they listened to Jesus, 5,000 men alone, not to mention the women and children. And when they realized who he was, I'm sorry, when they realized who he was, he slipped away to Capernaum without the disciples. He hopped on a boat and disappeared. The disciples took a boat to follow him and encountered a strong storm and there Jesus appeared to them walking on the water. It is there that he called Peter to get out of the boat and walk on the water with him. If you know the story, Peter begins to sink because he begins to doubt that it's actually Jesus. This is kind of part of this story of knowing who he is. The problem is is that one who was actually closest to Jesus, one of the three that was closest to Jesus is the one that doubts him when Jesus calls him by name. The disciples say it's a ghost. Jesus said, no, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to come. And Peter steps out of the boat. I'm sure what happened was all the disciples who claimed to be followers were telling Peter he had lost his mind. But yet he kept going. And then when the waves started to rumble, he began to sink because he began to doubt the one who was calling him. The next morning, the crowd realized Jesus and the disciples had left, so they went looking for him in Capernaum. It goes on in verse 25. It says this. It says, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. This statement alone, this one context of Scripture, these 25 through 27, these verses, is a sermon in itself. But as you and I begin to know Jesus, we are faced with a very deep and personal question. Why do you follow him? Why? Well, I had that moment. I had that moment. Listen, moments are fleeting. Why do you follow him? Well, you know, I I remember how things used to be. No, no. Why do you follow Why did you set your alarm this morning? Why did you get up to come to church this morning? Why did you dress yourself this morning? Did you come just because in Southeast Louisiana, that's the way we live our lives? We pay our pittance and go to church because we think that God sees us going to church and we're going to walk into heaven? I said that very loud and clear because there's a problem I have with this region. Church is just church. Yeah. We fulfill a time slot, we fulfill an hour and a half to an, uh, two hours. And my God, if Pastor goes two hours, he's gone way too long. Heaven, you're going to have a problem with heaven. Because I promise you, the worship service in heaven is longer than two hours. We, we have this mindset of, of, well, if I just go to church, if I just call myself a churchgoer. No, no, no. God didn't call you to be a church goer He said, get saved, tell others, and then go to church. But this is what we do. We have problems. We go to church because we don't have answers. We find this thing called Jesus. We have an encounter, a moment, an emotional moment, and we run back out the door and we go, ooh, let's do it again next week. And we come back in looking for the same emotional high we got the week before. But do you understand that if God is moving in your life, he is not moving in your life to get you from emotional high to emotional high to emotional high. He gets you in an emotional high so that you'll change your life, so that you won't have to come back to the altar, so that you won't have to keep sinning, so that you can finally walk in the fullness of who he is. You can walk in his resurrection and power, and you won't keep walking into pain and struggle and doubt and confusion and this and that and all these things. You start walking in the fullness of who he is. So many times we... We just, oh just, If I go to church, and God knows my heart. You've heard me say this. Be careful when you say that to God. He might just show you a picture of what your heart really looks like. Because in a culture where we tell God how to view us rather than ask God how he views us is a moment that we've become God and we've diminished his power. I'm going to let that one sit on you for a second. Because the moment we tell God, God, you know my heart. God goes, so you want me to accept your sin. God says, you want me to accept your complacency. You want me to accept your inconsistencies. You want me just to understand what you want rather than you understanding what I want. See, there's a problem in the church day, and and this is not even in my notes. There's a problem in the church day when heaven and hell is not a place any longer We don't preach hell anymore. <gasps> My pastor, I can't come to church if you're gonna preach hell. Well, I hope you enjoy it then. <laughs> because Jesus came with the message of the kingdom of God. And he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent because this is the day you're gonna choose. Why? Because he didn't want you to go to hell, but yet we don't even talk about hell anymore because we can't we have to be PC, we have to be politically correct. We can't talk about bad things. We can only talk about good things. That's why your children get trophies even if they lose. What place did you come in, son? We came in last. You got a trophy for what? You came in last. Well, we don't want to offend any children. They need to be offended. You need to be, listen, I hate to break this to you, but Jesus came with the ministry of offense. He came to offend your flesh so you get your life right. Don't, 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 don't do that. I just want to be blessed. You understand to get the blessings, you're going to have to change some stuff. And you might have to finally learn what he thinks about you and maybe, just maybe, stop making excuses. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there. If your kid got a trophy because he came in last, I'm not mad at him. But in my house, those trophies go away. You want to know why? Because I don't want my son to become complacent at living in mediocrity but desire to finish rather than finish last. I'm not talking so we can walk around and gloat and say, look how great I am. But he can have something to be proud of that he finished what he set out to do. Shouldn't you have the same desire for the things of God? Ooh. What if I told you you were his trophy? What place would your trophy be? I know the Bible says that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. We're speaking of humility. But what do you desire? The Bible says that we all should run the race with a desire to win. It says win. It says win. It doesn't say be great so everybody can praise you. It says you should have a desire to win. But so many times in the church today, we only have a desire to hope I get there. And that has to change. As you and I begin to know Jesus, we are faced with a very deep and personal question. Why do we follow him? Why do we claim him to be our God? Are we only with him because of what he can do? Or are we more consumed with our own fulfillment? Do we only gather on Sundays because it's what Christians do? And once we leave, we have a personal sense of accomplishment. Are we only looking for what he'll do next as if he's going to perform another parlor trick? And we love the feeling of amazement. This is not a circus sideshow. It's amazing to me. It's like, it's, like, it's like people begin to worship, and, and sometimes, you, you, oh, why, why are they yelling? Why are they hollering? I don't know why you yell at the TV when the saints don't score. you scream screaming all that, but, but why can't you shout with the voice of triumph? Why can't you shout in victory as if God's already done the things you've been believing for? Are we at that place where we just want Jesus and not what, not what he can do but to know him? Are we, are we at the place where we just are waiting for him to do something else? Well, what are you going to do something else, Jesus? What are you going to do something else? Going to, oh, I can't go to this church today. Jesus didn't do anything. What are you wanting him to do? Well, I want to see the glory cloud. And I want to see manifestation. I want to see all this. Are, are your eyes open to see it? And how do you know it's not happening? Well, well I know I, I'm, I'm considered you know, a man of faith or a woman of faith. And I I, I know my God. Do you really? Because let me help you with something. If there's any sin in your life, you will not see the glory of God. That's what the Word says. If there's any sin in you, you will not see the glory of God. Well, I'm waiting. I think so many times we've been waiting for the glory of God, and our sin nature has kept us from seeing it, although it was always here. We should never desire to just know who He is, but do life with the I am. John chapter six verse twenty eight and twenty nine. It says this: They replied, we want, to perf- "We want to perform God's works too. What should we do?" Jesus told them, "This is the only word God wants from you. Believe in one, in the one He has sent. This is the only work God wants you to do. This is what He tells them: Believe in the one He has sent. This is the only work He told them to do. Believe." In the one he has sent. But Pastor, I want to be a prophet. Pastor, I want to be a psalmist. Pastor, I want to be a worship leader. Pastor, I want to be a pastor. Pastor, I want to be this. Pastor, first of all, you keep saying pastor too much. Because if you keep coming to me looking for your vision, you'll never see it. Pastor, I want this. Pastor, I'm not your God. I am Pastor. I'm Shepherd of the field. He owns the field. I'm going to point you back to Him. Stop asking me what your calling is. Stop asking me what your mission is. Go find out in your word, get to know Him, and let Him lead you where He wants you to be. I'm not doing that. That's probably where you're called to be. Everywhere you tell God you won't go is exactly where He's telling you to go because He's trying to break your flesh. When I started in ministry, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to learn how to preach. I'm going to preach from the pulpit. We're going to a church of 8,000 people. I'm going to preach from the pulpit. Pastor hands me a toilet brush, says, welcome to ministry. That is not what I asked for. He said, but if you can't scrub their poop, you'll never be able to deal with their poop. She said, this is, this, 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 ooh, it messed my flesh because I didn't like cleaning toilets. In the process of me being a janitor at the church going, I know I have a call of God on my life, but I'm scrubbing toilets, building bathroom, laying tile, laying carpet. You know what I didn't realize? I was building a church before I ever got a church. Yes. See, here's, that's that piece in you. You got, I don't want I want it all to be handed to me. Nothing is handed to you without work. It has no value. It's culture that we live in today. I don't want to work. I don't want to be lazy. Get off your butt and go work. I, I, my son is in the back this morning. He's not feeling well, but but, but we, my wife and I have been talking. Uh, y'all, y'all, any of y'all in this room? I'm trying to stay on point today. I've got so many thoughts running in my head right now. How many of y'all want to give your kids everything you didn't have? Amen. Do you realize the monster we create when we do that? Because my son thinks just because I go get something to eat, he should get something to eat. Like, like if I go get a sandwich, well, where's mine? do you have a job? That's what I want to know. Oh, I came home with tea the other day, an unsweet tea. You didn't get me one? No, I didn't get you a tea. Why didn't you call me? I wanted one. Your daddy works. You play video games. Enjoy your life because in a couple of years, baby, it's going to change. Because when you turn that age, you're going to get a job, and I'm going to come to you and say, where's my tea at? But I've learned that I've created a culture in my kids that they don't understand the value of work yet. When I was nine, come on, we always to our kids. When I was your age, I've started doing that at 41 to my kids. When we were your age, my brother and I pushed a lawnmower, three neighborhood subdivisions over to mow lawns during the summer. And we made bank, but we wore our behinds out. I hate to say this but I've never taught my son how to start the lawnmower. I feel like I'm going to hell. Because the Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Now I understand why my son's hungry all the time. He hadn't started working yet, amen. They replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? We all have a desire to do what God has done or or to demonstrate his power in the earth. And Jesus turns back and says, the only work that God wants from you is just for you to believe in the one he has sent. In order for you and I to know him more, Jesus says, only do one thing, believe. Did you understand that belief is the precursor to manifestation? Belief is the precursor. Without belief, nothing will manifest. The word believe is defined as this, to have confidence in the truth, the existence or the reliability of something. To have a conviction that a person or thing is, has been, or will be engaged in a given action or involved in a given situation. In order for you and I to believe, we have to know that he will. Not that he was, not that he is, but that he will. Belief keeps you looking to the future. Unbelief has you looking backwards. Belief keeps you marching forwards. When you stop marching forwards, because you stopped believing in the one who saved you. When you start to fall backwards into the old things of this life, it's because you have stopped looking at the one you say you believe in and you've started believing the past to be louder than the future. In order for you and I to believe, we must know that he will. You and I only find this out by getting to know him. Anybody ever done a trust fall? (laughs) I'm not going to demonstrate one for y'all. This one is not happening. Uh, but, But... I remember I did a trust fall. Now, if you get on the internet, you can see a lot of failed trust falls really quickly, or people that are just jerks and go, <laughs> "Watch them hit the ground." It's awesome, uh, you know. But but I stood on this ledge. I was I was at a youth camp when we were teenagers, and 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 they were doing a trust fall, and and there was probably twenty people, ten and ten on each side, and they're like, "Fall back!" I'm like, "No, you're crazy. I'm not putting my life in the hands of nobody else. I'm on a six foot thing. No, uh-uh, no, 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 no." No, there's a weak link in that sucker. I'm not touching that. Here's what's crazy. God says every morning you have to trust fall. And then we turn around and we argue with him as if he won't catch us. Well, but God, you need to stand like this. The Your way you're standing is wrong. God, you need to stand like this. God says, I'm the creator of the trust fall. I got you. Yeah, but God, if you, you, I'm a big dude, God. Come on now you got to get it right but you got to get get them legs kind of braced cuz i want to make sure you really catch me we tell god how to be god we tell god what to do and then we say okay now that you've done everything i've told you to do now i'll trust you that's not trust that's not trust at all that's dictatorship that's ownership of you thinking you own god and his plan for your life rather than just trusting him with each step Just because you've heard or seen things or even done things does not mean you know him. John chapter 6, verse 30, it says this. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. I hate to say this to you. This is the church today. No one will follow God unless God performs. But he already performed. You're breathing. Hello. The fact that you're even here, even if you're a sinner, even if you've never received Christ, the fact that you're here is proof that he's real. That he's already done a miracle. Blink your eyes. That's a miracle. Wave your hand. It's a miracle. Everything on your body is a miracle. Scientists have looked at the human body and said, there is no way this evolved. Just the simple tear duct that you have in your body is too complex for science to create to say that it evolved. Just your tear duct. Could you imagine what the rest of your body is doing? That science doesn't want to admit that God created and a monkey didn't? It says in verse 30, it says, they answer, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Jesus just fed thousands with two fish and five loaves. He just fed thousands and it wasn't enough. Let me ask you this question. How many more times does he have to be God for you to finally believe? How many more times does he have to redeem you, save you, set you free, break the shackles off your life? How many more times does he have to hold your hand, love on you, walk through this life with you for you to finally understand who he is? Here's the truth of it. The culture has created a space where we literally live in emotional responses. The reason people go to the altar as many times as they do in the the course of their lives is because it's an emotional high moment. It's not a life-changing moment. If it was really a life-changing moment, the word repentance means 180-degree turn. It's 180 degrees from where your sin life was to another lifestyle. It doesn't mean looking over your shoulder and going back. It means I'm never going back. But for some reason, we don't make the 180. We make a 90 so that we can still view the past but maybe hopefully get a gaze of the future so that we can pick which one we like better. And God says, no, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to leave whatever you thought was going to bless you so that you can follow the blessings that I have for you. And those blessings will not be anything that you thought you had or where you were going. This is a whole new thing, and you're going to have to trust me through it. But I don't want to do that, God, because if I don't know where I'm going, I won't, I won't trust you. That's the problem. We don't trust you because God has not become the I am. He's become, he's become the once was. It's good to read the Bible. It's good to read the stories of fiction. It's good to read what he did for them, but he won't do that for me. It's amazing to see why all the miracles he performed. Here, can I just say this to you? Do you believe this? No, no, no. Do you really believe it? Because I really believe that if Peter walked on the water, so can I. I believe that if Joshua could worship the walls of Jericho down, so can I. Pastor, you really believe that? Yeah, I just think that we haven't tapped into it yet. Because there was such a dependency on the things of God. That there was no room for distractions. Do I really believe? Yes, I believe. Why would you even do that? I mean, God doesn't do the miracles. Those are the miracles of old. Then why would he tell us about them if they had no power? Why would he tell us about them through his word if, they ha- if we should never have a desire to duplicate what was in this word? Okay, let's just talk about Jesus. Jesus said, greater things shall you do than I did. So let's just take the two fish and five loaves. When was the last time you prayed for Multiplication. Hello. Yeah, I've learned over the years, God always provides. I get two fishes and five loaves every month. Every month. You go, what do you mean? You literally get two? No. I get multiplication every month. Because I look back at my life and I don't understand how we do it. There's six people in my house, three of which eat like, help us, Jesus. And I was not referring to me. Amen. Amen. Asher doesn't ever want to eat. Love, we just call her Miss Hungry. She's always hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. So always Jude. I'm hungry. And then it's pickiness. Come on, work with me. Y'all, y'all got kids. You know what? I'm. I don't want that. What? Come home, she's like, you need to talk to them. Why don't you talk to them? They won't eat anything I make. When I was your age... That plate went back in the refrigerator, Jack, and when you said, I'm hungry, pull pulled the plate back out. Time to eat. Okay. One of the quickest ways to find out if someone knows Jesus or not is not just by what they're looking for, but what they've found. Believing in him is more is minoring on the miraculous and majoring on the relationship. I know him not because of an expectation for him to perform, but because I desire to spend time with him and have a heart knowledge of him. I am not looking for for performance. I am looking for relationship. Can I tell you why this is not popular in the church? Because we do not major on relationship. We major on self-gratification. That's why social media, God, I got to say this. I'm going to say this, and please don't get offended if you like Instagram and Facebook, but I believe with everything in me, it is an assignment of the enemy to distract us from relationship. Because, well, well, I, I saw so and so, therefore I have. No, you don't. Take them for a cup of coffee, sit at a table and talk to them. If you get around me long enough, I will text you for a minute, but then I will make plans to sit down with you and talk with you because I do not like all that stuff. I don't like phone calls. I don't like phone calls. I don't. I don't like text messaging. I don't. I'd rather have relationship. I'd rather talk to you face to face. This is how God intended us to be. I don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. It's because you won't get out of your bed and stop looking at your phone. I says, Pastor, you're on Facebook. I'm only on Facebook because I got to be, because that's the only way I can have a church page for people to see what's happening so we can broadcast live on a Sunday morning. But if you want to know if I check my Facebook, I don't care what you ate for lunch today. I don't care where you went on vacation. I'll hear about it when we talk. Didn't you see where I went out of town? No, I don't care that much. I have four kids. That's enough. Pastor, you should care where I was. Did you ask me where I was? Well, no. Okay, then. Okay, sorry. I got a lot of tangents this morning. I'm just trying to get them out of my chest. Stop boxing God into your expectations. And let him be God. Which lives outside of your expectations. You should be expectant of God. But don't limit him with your expectations. Expectant means I know he's coming and I'm going to wait on him. Expectations tells him how to perform. I don't expect him to do anything. I expect him to be God. And whatever he chooses to do, I'm going to trust. Goes on in verse thirty one. I'm almost done. After all, our ancestors ate. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. I had to read that with a little disdain because they're talking to Jesus with an attitude. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, "I love Jesus." He says, "I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My Father did." And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. When we do not know him, we will always give credit to someone or something else. We overlook his provisions because we do not see him as our provision. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And she hates when I do this. I got a hot wife. You don't have to agree. That's what I think. My own family members have looked at me going, how did you pull that off? The favor of the Lord. I walk in his promises. I get really good looking ones. Amen. Okay. But but here's the truth of it. Here's how I see this. She can't be my bread of life. He is my bread of life. I stopped hungering to have a wife. I stopped thirsting to have a wife. I let him feed me. And then he fed me. And I got four kids to show that we eat really well. You can take that however you want to take that. You can put your, you can put your head in the Bible. You can put it in the gutter. I don't care because it floats both ways. Because the Bible says I shall be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Do we need to have a sex ed class this morning? Amen. Okay. I don't know where I'm going now. All right, stand your feet. We're going to do the altar call now. Praise the Lord. No, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the house I know if this is your first time. We don't expect you to come back. We just... You know, you're making your lunch plans right now. Amen. Oh. What did you say, Pastor Ben? No, no, you're good, you're good. Just hold on for a second. (laughs) Mm. Somebody pray for me. All right, verse 34. Amen. Back to the word of God. It says, sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can I just say this to you? Stop asking and just go get it. God, feed me. Go get it. It's kind of like this. Uh, Judah, every night, and we have a joke in our house because when Judah pops out of his bedroom, miraculously, he comes down the hall, I look at Tiff, and I go, he's coming to ask for a snack. She's like, no. Nah. I said, watch. He did. What? Um, can I have a snack? So I've made this rule. Don't ask me for a snack. Tell me what you want. Didn't realize they would have such a prolific thought process in my chest when it comes to things of God, because that's how we treat God. Hey, God, gotta get a snack? And we never tell him what we want. And so we don't take the time to go look for what we want. We just want it delivered to our hands. Yeah. Or we want to get whatever satisfies us in the moment yeah. rather than what will sustain us for a lifetime. Right. God, can I get a snack? God goes, tell me what you want. But, but God, I, I don't want to do that. No, I need you to tell me what you want. Stop telling God. Put it in my hand. Tell him what it is that you need. Right. And then wait for him to deliver it to you. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Stop stop playing the game with God, and then when he doesn't give you what you think you need, you get mad at him and tell him it's not what you want. That is a lack of belief and a lack of trust. If you want Jesus to be the bread of life in your life, go get it. Last bit of Scripture, verse 36 through 40. But you haven't believed in me, though you have seen me. Oh, God help us. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. However, those the Father has given me, which is everybody, will come to me. When they come to me, I will never reject them. That's a powerful statement. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have Eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. Everyone that believes will have eternal life. But belief is not a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. Belief requires your body to do something it didn't do before. Belief calls you to walk in a way you didn't walk before. Let me have something. You cannot believe in God and not serve God. Well, no, no, I believe in God. Well, what, what, what do you, well, I, you know, I just I, I, just do it in my own way. It's like people tell me, I, I'm a Christian. I just believe if you do good things, you're going to make it to heaven. Have you really read your Bible? Because that might have been like the flannel graph version when you were two, but that's not mature Christianity. You're still drinking the milk on, well, we won't go there. I've already made enough innuendos for this morning. If that's what your Bible says. No, I didn't write it. We haven't graduated to meat yet. We haven't graduated to developing the muscle in the neck to swallow solid foods. We've only developed ourselves to drink. And now we wonder why we're malnutritioned as believers. Yeah, that's good. Right. That's good. That's good. At some point, we got to change some of this so that we begin to see the things that God has for us. When Jesus is the bread of life, you stop wanting stale bread. You want something fresh. You desire it. How many of you all like bread? A lot of good restaurants will give you a lot of good bread. That one called Texas Roadhouse will kill you. Shout out. You're like, can you get in the, can we get three baskets? Thank you. Yeah. Amen. That's one for every child at the table. Everybody gets their own. Yeah, because if you touch my bread, I'll stab you. Amen. We all desire. We don't want you. You don't want them to come out of Texas Roadhouse and go here. We got a basket of bread for you. It's been out in the back since three days ago. You can put that bread back. You better bring me something fresh. We desire fresh, right? We desire fresh. When you go eat dinner, you desire fresh food? Okay. Why is it we don't desire fresh from God? When you woke up this morning, well, we're going to live on what we used to do. We're not going to get anything fresh this morning. No, he said desire freshness, something brand spanking new. He says that the will of God for him is to not lose even one. In other words, his purpose is to sustain you in every season. But you and I have to stop eating the substitutions. My preaching is not you studying. Just because I break open my word doesn't mean you don't have to break open yours. Well, I'm just going to go to church. Pastor can preach good words. Can change me for the week. And then I'm going to come back next week. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. We're going to be crazy. Could you imagine if all I ever did was open up my Bible to preach? Oh, I would not have a wife. I would not have four kids. I would probably still be homeless, sleeping in my truck in a truck stop somewhere or in jail. Or dead. Somewhere really bad. But the word is what sustains me. The bread of life is what sustains me and keeps me. But for some reason, we keep eating substitution. There, can I just say to you, and I know I'm old school, and, and you're just going to have to bear with your 41-year-old pastor who's old school. I get it, we're in a technologically savvy culture where cell phones and iPads are really cool and and they look great and all that wonderful stuff, but nothing outweighs the tangible word of God. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, but I got my cell phone. But the problem is is you only know where the books are because you can swing your finger down until you find it. But no one knows where even Scripture is anymore. Let me prove it to you. Most people wait for me to put it on the screen instead of bring their Bibles to church anymore. Where's your screen at home? I hope you have one there too. I oh, hope someone took the time to put the Scriptures in for you so that you might see them. Oh, this, is what I, this is what blows my mind. God, I really got to shut up today. Here's what blows my mind. I put a Scripture up on the thing. We all claim to be believers. We claim, a lot of us claim to be seasoned believers. And I put up a scripture and everybody goes, oh, I hear it. I hear the gasps of air when they read it for the first time. What have you been reading? What have you been eating? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a challenge here. If as much time as you spend looking at everybody else's life, maybe you'll invest that much time into your own. Well, if I I sit on social media for an hour or two, which on an iPhone, you can actually find out how long you've been on that app. (laughs) Maybe you should have to spend double with him. Maybe because his life and your knowledge, your heart knowledge of him is more important than everyone else's life and your wisdom for them. We have to stop eating substitutions. We must get back to that place of desiring to know him more and 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 more. Stop settling for a bread substitute. It's not bread. Y'all ever had bread substitute? Like like they call it bread, but it's not bread. It's like some kind of weird something. Like I saw something one time and they're like, ooh, taste it. I'm like, no. It never went into an oven. I'm not eating it. It came into a sealed packet. No. No, whatever that, that keto, whatever that is, that's, that's demonic. <laughs> there are things on this earth God intended for me to eat, and I'm going to eat them things, and I'm not going to eat. Well, you eat this, you'll be there. No, you won't. That stuff kill you too. Amen. Stop settling for just whatever comes. If he's the bread of life and it's in him and only him, and he says I'll never hunger again, man, I don't want to be hungry. We come in on a Sunday morning because we're hungry, right? Come and work with me. We come into church in the morning because we're hungry. Oh, God, feed us this morning. Stop treating God as the buffet line to your existence and having to gorge out on a Sunday morning so you can try to make it last you the whole week. Eat enough to satisfy. Tomorrow morning, get back up and, hey, God, I'm here to eat again. For your word says that you are the bread of life. And if I receive that, then I'll never hunger again. Years ago, I was watching one of those feed the children things. And and I'm watching, they're like, they're dying, they're dying. And I'm watching these fatted cows walk right behind them. And I'm like, somebody take a spear and kill that cow. And eat. I'm like, what are we doing? The reason they're dying is their religion says that the cow is holy. We can't kill the cow, the cow is holy. So we're dying in starvation while the provision is standing in our midst. God, I'm hungry. Ryan, why are you hungry? God, I don't know. I'm just hungry. And I don't know what to do, God. I'm hungry and I don't, I'm even thirsty and I don't know. All you have to do is come to me. Come get it. Let me be your bread of life. Let me sustain you. If you're hungry and feel starved, It is not God's fault. It's because you stopped eating from the bread of life. If I want to know him, then I have to partake of him. And he has to become greater in me. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. In other words, when I eat of the bread of life, it flushes out everything that's not of him. I thought about this one time. I said bread has an absorption ability. It's like a sponge. So if you eat it, it absorbs. If you're not going to the bread of life, then you're dealing with things inside of your system that God wants to deliver you from. And you just need to go back to him. So he can absorb the things that are killing you so that you can start to live life fully. He said, I am the bread of life. When will you eat so that you never hunger again? Everybody stand to your feet. Quickly, staff, come up to the front for me. Hmm. You do a favor, right where you stand, just close your eyes for just a moment. And this is not some weird issue. I just, I just want you to take a moment, take inventory. You're not perfect. You're not great. You're not better than. You're just you. And that's good enough. That's all God ever asked you to be is just you. But be willing to be changed. I would much rather be called changed than be great. But there are those of you in this room—one of two things: either you've never eaten from the bread of life, or you've been eating at other people's table and calling it the bread of life. And you know who I'm talking to because God is literally crawling up your back right now, and He's going, "Hey, it's you." And it's not a moment of condemnation. It's a moment of holy conviction. Where God says, I don't desire you for you to live this way, but yet you keep choosing. If you'll just come to me, you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst. People cannot satisfy you. Your spouse can't satisfy you. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your kids, your grandkids, they can't satisfy you. Although you think they can, they can't. But God can't. What would happen if all of us as believers decided to walk in His satisfaction rather than the world's? Instead of trying to perform, instead of thinking you got to do more, I'm good enough the way I am, and I just let let God perfect who I am. Take an inventory. Those of you standing in this room, Now, I'm going to say this, I'm going to go ahead and just expose it. Some of you will not move in just a moment because you are stuck. I'm not going to the altar. The altar is what breaks you. Well, I'm I'm a a great believer. I'm not a great believer. I, I would love for you to write a book so I could learn how. Because every day of my life, I have to go back to God and ask him, what is it you want to change in me? stand in this room and you say, Pastor, I've never eaten of the bread of life and I want to for the first time. Or maybe you said, Pastor, I've been eating at other people's table calling it bread of life and I'm still hungry and I'm still thirsty and I'm tired of being hungry and thirsty. If that's you in this place, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come to the altar. Now. y'all are fighting. Just let go. You've been tough long enough. Are you really sad? Okay, here's a better question for you. If you're not satisfied where you are in the things of God, get to this altar. Father, I bind the spirit of pride and the unwillingness to become humble in your presence. It is a dangerous place, God, when we can stand in your presence and argue with you when you're calling us by name. I can get him in my seat, then why did he tell you to come? Why does he say, come unto me all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you. But I am. No, you haven't moved out of where you are yet. There is significance to coming to the altar of God. So that he might change us. Stand here at this altar. Not satisfied yet. I'll be honest with you. Although I'm standing at the pulpit, I'm standing at the altar. Because I'm not even satisfied yet. I want more. If you're standing up here at this altar. Will you do me a favor? Just right where you stand, we raise both hands as high as we go. Not a sign of churchdom, but a sign of surrender to his plan, not yours. I'll never be satisfied with man's opinions. I'll never be satisfied with, with uh, people's thoughts, but I'll always be satisfied with God. And if my mind begins to wander off to what everybody else thinks and loses sight of what God says over me, then I will lose everything and I will become hungry again. With your hands lifted, without looking at me, with your eyes closed, I want you just to just repeat after me. Say, God, today I desire you and you alone. I'm sorry for eating something and calling it the bread of life. Today God, I'm ready to feast on your word, your promises, your plans, your purposes for my life. that say I bind every fear every thought every imagination that would exalt itself above you today I cast those things down and I command them to die in my life so that I might live I'm ready to walk out of this place sustained fulfilled Loved, cherished, and a part of God's promises. I am God's favor. <laughs> well, I got another one, I got another one I feel this as we go. Say this, say it, dude. You can even you don't have to even raise your hand, and say just say this, say I am not what they said about me. <laughs> I am not what everyone thinks about me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a friend of God. So let me declare this over you as men. You are good fathers. And if you're not a dad yet, you will be a good father. To you mothers, you are a good mother. And if you are not, you will be a good mother in due season. If you've made mistakes, you are not a mistake. You are the righteousness of God. If you have done things that he's not proud of, I need you to understand that through repentance, God forgives you. And he says he separates them as far as the east is from the west. In other words, he doesn't sit in heaven with a recon- with a, with a, with a mindset of, I'm gonna remember this, and when you come to me, I'm gonna throw this at you again. No, he forgets it. So maybe you should too. And finally walk in everything he has for you. God never desired for you to wake up hungry, he wait desires for you to wake up fulfilled. Right? But the only way you'll do it is if you eat the bread of life.